0: The following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit c.l.c.austin.com. Thank you for listening. Have y'all enjoyed tonight so far? It's been awesome! Woo. It's just been incredible, and I was standing back there. I'll let you sit down in just a minute, but I was standing back there, and I was listening to all of the beautiful women voices singing. Holy, holy, holy to the Lord God Almighty. And it was so beautiful because the the harmony is just gorgeous. And I can't wait till one day we get to stand in front of our Savior and bow. We're not going to be standing. I believe we're going to be bowing and we're going to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Our everything. Thank you, Jesus. So I know we prayed already but I want to pray one more time Lord Jesus thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for what you've already done Lord and I pray that if there are people in here God that aren't aren't really used to this and they've they're feeling things that they've never felt before God that you would just calm their hearts and that they would feel your presence in a beautiful way and understand that like Cassidy said, you are a gentleman and that you are just knocking. And Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to hear your word tonight in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, amen. 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 You may be seated. (laughs) So church girls, church girls, first of all, I want to tell you, you are looking at one church girl here. Like, if I, if there's ever a church girl, I am a church girl. And I know we all have our stories. Um, if you've been in church for many, many years, since you were a baby even, or maybe you've not been coming to church very long, and you still have your story as a church girl. So I want to kind of tell you a little bit about myself. When I was six years old, I was sitting in what we called children's church back then. And it was like the ch- church happening for kids while the big people have having church on Sunday mornings. And I knew that God was calling me, you know, that knocking. It was happening that morning. And so I said, whenever they give the appeal to go up front, I'm going up front. And sure enough, at the end of that little tiny service there in children's church, I went up and I gave my life to Jesus and He filled me with His Spirit and I actually spoke in tongues for the first time when I was six years old. Isn't that incredible? I'm so thankful for that experience. So I grew up in a household that went to church all the time. We went to church on Sunday mornings, on Sunday nights, on Tuesday youth nights. We went to prayer meetings. We went to revival meetings. We went to, if it was called, the, the Bridges family was there. We went home on Sunday afternoons. Y'all, some of you might remember this if you grew up like I did. And we tanned during the day for Sunday night. No, I'm not kidding. Like, go, I'd go home with church girls and we'd tan all afternoon so we could come, home, come to back to church on Sunday night and look all brown. I sold candy for church trips I participated in church bake sales Church dramas Sang in church choir And went to many church banquets I went to church youth camps Church lock-ins Church conventions Church youth congresses I slept in some really nasty church dorms Really nasty ones I wore lots of lip gloss And lots of hairspray So that I could flirt with church boys Right? I didn't just flirt with church boys, I dated church boys. I got engaged to a church boy, and by George, I married a church boy in my church, which seems not to be a thing nowadays, but that was my thing. We served in numerous churches over the years. And we, and like Cassidy said, in 2009, we started a church in San Antonio, Texas, Northrock Church, which I forgot to give honor to my staff here tonight, some of my staff ladies. I know you already did. You don't have to clap for them, but I'm so thankful that y'all are here tonight, cheerleading me on. I love you. Doing the mighty work for God. And so we started a brand new church there in San Antonio. And if you didn't know, I have two Incredibly handsome, sweet boys named Mason and Britton, and they are bona fide church boys. <laughs> I mean, church boys. I have a picture of them here. That's Mason, and Britton's over here, but that's May May. Some of y'all remember that. And here's Britton. That's in church, y'all. That's what happens when you raise your kids in church. And then that's my sweet husband right there in the middle, and that's our last vacation together a couple of months ago. So I fell in love with the church. I believe in the church. I truly believe in the church. You know, the Bible says that Christ gave himself up for her, speaking of the church. He says that we are the body of Christ. We, the church is the body of Christ. You cannot separate loving Jesus and loving the church. You've got to love the church, and I love The church, the church changed my life. It changed my life. And I didn't just fall in love with the church, but I fell in love with Jesus, my Savior, my rock, my everything. He is my guide. He is my comfort. He is someone who never leaves me. And I love my Jesus so very much. And let me tell you something. It's the best life. If you're not used to it, just take my word for it tonight. It's the best life. So tonight, I want to dive a little deeper into what it might really mean to be a church girl. Anybody had a strange appointment? Like, we have appointments all the time, if you think about it. We have appointments all the time, especially us as women. We better have one every year, right? And if you're not, shame on you. Amen? Come on, this might be your wake-up call tonight, every year. But I want to encourage you, when you go to that appointment, make sure that you go to the bathroom first. Two things, go to the bathroom first before you go in there. And number two, if you're going in with sandals, make sure you take socks, because you don't want to be spread eagle with your, hand, your feet up in the air. They're cold, right? Come on, men, close your, close your ears, men who are in here. This is a women's conference, right? right? Weird appointments. Gosh, don't like those appointments. Last year, about this time, I had an appointment that was given to me. It was so sweet. A lady in the church, she gifted me a massage at the JW Marriott there in San Antonio. And so it was one of those nice places like where you go get dressed in the locker room and then you go and sit and wait in your robe. And so she called my name and we're all sitting there in, in, the, in the waiting room and she called my name and so I come back and just about as I'm about to get get through the door and down the hallway, she says, Pastor Moore. I said, oh, Pastor Alicia, she called me, Pastor Alicia. I was like, oh, brother, thank God it's a female and not a male. (laughs) Yeah. Those are the kind, you know, there's just some appointments you don't want them to know you, you know? (laughs) But anyways, moving on. There's a little more, there's relaxing uh, appointments like pedicures. There's the not so fun ones that like taking your kids to get shots. Ugh. Expensive appointments. Yeah. Um, anxious appointments, test results. Right? Um, there's sweet appointments like date, for, date nights with your husband um, or a date with somebody, your, your, your boyfriend. Um, there's stressful appointments like going to the DMV and just hoping to God you got everything you need. Right? There's a beautiful, beautiful story in the Bible that we're going to kind of focus on tonight. And this woman had a pretty important appointment. So important that she had an entire book of the Bible that's about her appointment. And I'm sure you've heard of it. Her name is Esther. A little bit of background about Esther. It takes place in the in the um, land of Persia, and there's a king named King Xerxes, and he um, got really upset with his queen, and he banished her, and he, he he said we're done. So he started looking for another queen, and the way they did it, they literally gathered a bunch of potential women, all right, and started preparing them to present before the king. So Esther. Was one of those girls. Now, what's so strange is that Esther was a Jew. Esther was a Jew. Um, she so the Jews were um, once in exile and they were able to go back to to Jerusalem. Okay, but some of them did not. They stayed in the land of Persia, and so that's who this was. But if you did, that you were kind of considered a little bit of an underdog, kind of like a nobody, kind of worthless, and additionally. Esther was an orphan. Both of her parents had died when they were younger. And her cousin Mordecai had taken her in to raise her. But she was beautiful. And so she was considered one. And this is what happens. We'll pick this story up in Esther chapter 2, verse 17. It says, Now the king was attracted to Esther more than any of the other women, and she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a, ro- he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen instead of Vashti, which was her, his previous queen. Now, this is really unusual because, like I said, Esther should not be considered to be the next queen. She's, she's a Jew. She's the wrong nationality. She was not qualified. She had the wrong background. But I want to declare to you tonight that number one, you have been chosen for an appointment. Yeah. Amen. You have been chosen no matter how unqualified you feel, no matter how many mistakes you have made, whatever your past looks like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your background. You see, the enemy would like to tell us that our background matters when it comes to our appointment. You might say, well, I, I didn't grow up in church. You know, I don't have that story like you do, or my dad was an alcoholic, or maybe my mom abandoned me. The enemy will also like to tell us that what you've done in the past is too much. And you just can't, you're not gonna be able to do it. You can't do this appointment because of look at what you've done. Maybe you've had a failed marriage and you feel defeated because of that. Maybe two marriages and you're just, I've messed up too much. The enemy would like to tell you that you're not qualified, that you don't have the right degree. My parents didn't take me to church. I don't know enough about the Bible, but I want to tell you tonight that God still has a plan. In fact, he says, perfect, I can use you, and I have a purpose for your life. Check this out, Isaiah chapter 43 verse 1 says this, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name, and you are mine. You are mine. God said, no, no, right, Alicia, you are mine. You are mine. Come on, somebody needs to hear that tonight. You are called by name. You are his. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. In Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes you see what qualified Esther wasn't what she was on the natural get this it wasn't what she was on the natural rather the supernatural power that was working on the inside of her see in the natural Esther had no parents she was an orphan she's the wrong nationality no way not her but God thank God he says that's cool That's cool. It doesn't matter at all. I'm going to do something with you anyways. And here's what's so cool about this is once you realize this, once you realize how special you are and that he has called you and chosen you, that the king of kings, the one who created everything in this world, that he chose you, it gives you great, great confidence. Great confidence. You'll start living differently when you realize that. When you get that, anybody uh, remember when you're like on the playground at school and you were chosen? Like I think back to, excuse me, Red Rover, Red Rover. You know, let Susie come over. Red Rover, and like you're just, oh, call my name. It's just you don't even really want to do that. You don't want to run over there and try to break through somebody's arms. But it's just, they're, they're thinking about me. They're calling my name. It's fun to be wanted. It's fun to get asked to go out to eat with cool people, right? It's fun. It's, uh, how about a prom or a dance? It's just fun to be asked. It's, you feel like, oh, I'm special. What about just chosen on a sports team or a dance or cheerleading team? How about a committee? Like you are chosen for a committee. How awesome is that? You need to know and feel today that God has chosen you, and that he has chosen something that only you can do. Listen to this verse, Ephesians 2.10, and this is a mantra around North Rock. We say it all the time, but for we are God's masterpiece. This is what the Bible says about us. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he's planned for us long ago. See, he has a plan. He has a purpose. And while others may have passed you over, Jesus did not pass you over. He didn't pass you over. He has chosen you. So, church girl, you've been chosen for an appointment. All right, let's head back to our story. So Esther was made queen. Um, Shortly after that, the king elevated a man named Haman to be his top official, and everyone who was around him was to bow to him. Well, Mordecai, uh, Esther's cousin, found out about this, and he served the one true God and was not gonna bow to anyone except for the one true God. So he says, no, I'm not gonna do that. And Haman got very, very angry. And instead of like punishing just Mordecai, he says, I'm going to punish the entire Jewish nationality. And let me tell you what he did, if you did not know this. He literally set a date that they were all to be annihilated on a certain day. Now just think about That's in your Bible. It's really incredible. Read it in Esther. So Mordecai finds out about it. And he starts going back and forth between, communicating between he and Esther. And he's like, you've got to help us out. You've got to help us out. The problem is, is that Esther, even though she's a queen in the palace, she's not allowed just to walk into the king, which is kind of weird to me, right? That's just weird. But it's just how it was. So she couldn't walk in, but if she did He had to raise a golden scepter, and if he raised the golden scepter, it was approval that she was okay to be in the room with him, okay? So this is where we're going to pick it up, Esther chapter 14, verse 11. All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter. This is her talking to Mordecai. And the king has not called for me to come to him for 30 days. What's wrong with him? I I don't know. But anyways, not my kind of man. (laughs) Esther chapter 4, verse 13 says, Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If for some other place... If from some other place, but you and your relatives will die, who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. When Esther sent this reply to Mordecai, go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night and or day. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, though it is against the law, I will go in and see the king. If I must die, I must die so Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered. And so what I want to tell you tonight and declare to you tonight is that your appointment will require a move, not just a move, a bold move. It will most likely require a bold move. Anybody like to go to Target? Target. So I try to stay away from Target, right, Lyssa? Uh, Lyssa loves Target, I know, my friend. So. Target is one of those places like you can only get certain snacks there, right? Well, snacks, yes, but there's a toothpaste there, and so this is off. But anyways, I go to I go to Target, and then like I go in for toothpaste, and for somehow like I don't know, about two months ago I went in there and I came out with like a fifteen dollar dress. I don't know, I didn't need a dress, but anyways, that's cool. But anyways, at Target there's these sliding glass doors, okay, and. In order for those doors to open, you have to kind of, you have to step towards them, right? You have to make a move towards the door. And when you do that, the doors will open. Now, I can't stand back here and look at Target and go, I'm considering going in there and the doors open. No, no, no. It doesn't work that way. I can't intend to go into Target and those doors open. No, no. See, God's call is motion-activated, just like those doors are. When you move forward, God will meet you there, and he will move. Jonathan always says, man is waiting on a move from God, and God is really waiting on a move from man. God is waiting for you to move forward. Take a step. See, some of us, we're waiting for an opportunity just to fall in our lap, right? We're we're, wanting, we're saying, God, use me. Lord, use me. But I'm not really serving anywhere, but use me. Come on. Come on. Uh, Lord, I would like to grow in my faith, and I really need to connect some really good people. But no small groups, I, I don't know. I can't do that. All right? God, I really need direction from you. I I really need you to talk to me and speak to me. But I'm really not making good habits where I can make space for him to talk to me. Right? I'm not making any room for him. I'm filling my days with everything else. Right? We have so many excuses. So many excuses not to make a move. Usually it's because it's very uncomfortable. I mean, change in general is uncomfortable. Um, A dental appointment is uncomfortable. (laughs) Dental appointments. I'm a dental hygienist, actually, but so I kind of know about this because I have I've had patients for you know, and I just know which ones are super anxious, and you know, you kind of learn them. But um, anyways, you're laying in that dental chair. You get there to get a crown or whatever, you're getting a filling or something, and they lay you back. Like, you feel like you're on your head. You're up back like this. Your mouth is open for what seems like hours. It seems like hours. And then you've got two faces in your face with sharp instruments going in your mouth. It's very, very uncomfortable. And it's mainly because I don't know the details of what's going on, right? I like to say that, I like to say this that appointments with Jesus are like blind dates. It's just one blind date after another. <laughs> like, I'm going with you, Jesus. I don't, you know, I, I don't know what's ahead. Right? We don't know all of the details. But we just simply trust. We trust him. We step forward. We trust that God will not leave us hanging. And he will meet us there. I can promise you that. Amen. So keep your appointment, keep your appointment and make that move. Don't cancel it. You can cancel your appointment. You can reschedule it, but I'm encouraging you tonight to not do that. And the truth is, is that your appointment, that move, your appointment will call for sacrifice. That's my third point tonight. It'll call for sacrifice. Esther had to make a pretty big sacrifice, don't you think? <laughs> I mean, it, she's literally giving up her life just think about that. Let's go back and read verse. what verse 16 says. It says, Go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days and night. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. And if I must die, I must die. And I'm guessing that when Esther made that move, like she became queen, she had no idea what was in front of her. No idea that she was going to have to make bold moves to save her nation. See, some of us simply have trouble surrendering. She surrendered everything, right? But we have, we have such trouble just surrendering little things. And then we have trouble surrendering big things like our ideas about my life for his, our future For his future. Our children's future. Come on. What are you holding on to tonight? What are you not surrendering? Is it talent? Do you have talent that you're sitting on? Think about it. Everybody has a move. And everybody has a sacrifice. Not just the person next to you. Think about it for yourself. Your time. Are you afraid of the time it will take from you? What about this one? Your friendships? You might have to break some toxic friendships. You know that friendships are, there are some friendships that are good for a season. And then after that, not so much. And that's okay. You got to be okay with that. All right? So sometimes it's okay to sever relationships. Be sweet, be nice, but be done with spending time with that person. Right? Mm. How about this one? Your past. Are you using your past, holding on to it as a crutch not to move forward? Not, like, like you're saying, you know, at first we were saying, oh, my past, my past. But sometimes people like to hold on to their past because that's, that keeps them right here instead of taking that move, right? Making that move. What about your age? Sometimes we, we use age as an excuse. I'm too young. I'm too old. Please don't ever say you're too old. Please don't. Some of the most incredible women in my life are older women who are still serving and pouring into my life. Don't ever, ever stop. There's so many things that keep us from our purpose as church girls. And I want to say this statement. Um... I wrote it myself, so it's not like from somebody, but I thought it was pretty good. It says this when you come to the realization that your life doesn't exist for you, that's when you'll really start living. And that is so, so true. And some of that doesn't sit well with some people. Um, probably when I was younger, that may not have sat well with me because mainly, be, well, there's two reasons. The first reason is that we're innately. innately uh, selfish. We, we're born into sin and iniquity. We're not, we're not born into sharing and surrendering and, and whatever. No. But the second thing is that we live in such a self-serving and self-absorbed absorbed world. We do. With social media outlets to impress, with underlying current in our world to be successful and to get this degree and look this certain way and have money and and go here and do this and do that. Let me challenge you today. Take inventory of your surrender. Give all of that up. Give all of that up. Quit holding back from the Lord. God has so much for you and it's an amazing purpose, but I will tell you tonight that it will require a move and it will call for sacrifice. It will call for sacrifice. We're going to finish up our story tonight. So Esther devised a plan to go before the king. She invited him to a banquet to invite him, for whatever reason, to invite him to another banquet. And at that banquet, she told him what Haman's plan was. And the king got furious. He was furious with Haman. And we're going to pick it up right here and see what she got. She actually got what she wanted. I'll tell you that. Esther chapter 8 verse 7 says Then King Xerxes said to Queen Esther and Mordecai the Jew, I have given Esther the property of Haman. And, whoo, I like this. He has been impaled on a pole. Mercy. Because he tried to destroy the Jews. Now go ahead and send a message to the Jews in the king's name, telling them whatever you want, and seal it with the king's signet ring. Basically, he said, you do whatever you want, and I'll seal it. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? So she did. And uh, she she got victory. She fulfilled her purpose, saved her people, all because she accepted her appointment, she made a bold move in the face of fear, and she made a major sacrifice. So I want to tell you the last thing tonight is this. Your appointment will be worth it all. I'm pretty sure Esther would say to us tonight, it was worth it. Was it hard? Yes, it was super hard, but it was worth it. And the Bible is full of men and women with incredible stories of fulfilled appointments. I mean, one right after another. But one of my very favorites... And one that I've really never quite understood as much as I have in the last year when I've studied it a little bit more, it's in Mark chapter 14. And the scene is that the disciples and Jesus are all kind of sitting in a room and there's two, it was two days before Passover, okay? So two days before he was arrested, all right? Kind of get that in your head. Two days before he was arrested, they're sitting around, and uh, eating and drinking and, you know, enjoying uh, each other's company. And in comes a woman. In comes a woman. Well, for for one thing, in that day and age, a woman didn't just barge up into a room like that unless they were serving those men. Uh, but but she did anyways. And she had what we like to call, what we've called all of our lives, an alabaster box. That's what I've called it, the alabaster box. But basically, it was a, a, a vial of, of Expensive perfume. Just imagine like, I don't know, I kind of imagine it like, kind of like this and then like with a neck on it like this, okay? And the Bible says that she broke it. She did not take the top off, but she broke it. She snapped the neck off in my mind. As in essence to say, it's going to all come out. It's all, not just a little bit, but it's all Coming out, And the disciples were just, just horrified because they knew how expensive this perfume was. And they thought it could be used for a better purpose. <clears throat> but boy, were they wrong. Mark chapter 14, verse 6, this is what Jesus replied to the disciples were. Leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you. And you can help them whenever you want to, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. The Bible says that she has anointed my body for burial. And there's a lot that goes into this if you study into it. But a couple of things I want to point out is this. Number one, he was the Messiah. He was the one who would come to be the king of the Jews. And for the king of the Jews, you were always anointed. He was the anointed one of God. So this woman literally, she's really unnamed, but a lot of people think her name was Mary and that God had an, Jesus had an encounter with her earlier in the scriptures. But she literally symbolically was proclaiming him to be the Messiah. You see, she got it. She, something about that man. He, he was the one. He was her savior. And he was worth her everything. He was worth the sacrifice. He was worth the criticism. He, she risked the loss of income. She risked being denied. She risked her reputation. And in return, Mark chapter 14, 9 says, wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deeds will be remembered and discussed. In other words, mm, I love this. She's making an impact that will last for generations. And we're still talking about her today, by the way. Mm. I love that. So let me ask you tonight, what is that you desire? Do you desire to have an impact like that? On your family? As women, we can have such impacts on her family it's really quite unbelievable I have watched um, one in particular staff member we just hired her, she's our latest hire she's not here tonight lead her family like unbelievable like they weren't church people at all and she's just stuck with it and it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful picture Um, in 2007 Jonathan and I um, started feeling a tug to leave, CLC back then, CLA, and oh, was I not happy, not happy at all about it. I loved my home here. I loved this church. I still love this church, but I, I loved it. I loved my home. I just bought a new home, and My kids loved their schools, and everything just seemed just right. And uh, the Lord called us to San Antonio, and and I'll never forget driving through. We were actually driving through there because we were going to a marriage retreat that we were doing with this church. (laughs) And we were at the corner, basically, of 46 and 281, and, and Jonathan said, I think we might need to go to San Antonio. And I was like, oh. okay, I kind of felt like that day was coming, but I didn't know when, and, and here it was. Now, that was 2007, and we didn't leave till 2008 because Pastor, whew, he had a <laughs> hold on us. But it was good. It, was, it all worked out perfectly. And it was hard. I'm telling you right now, it was hard. We moved into a city that I knew nobody And we started a church from scratch. We had basically uh, like 11 adults on our launch little team. We started church and my kids went to Sunday school. We called it Kids Rock with like my my kids and then Matt Jennifer's two kids and maybe a couple of other kids. I mean, so we went from CLC to that. We went to church service where people didn't know that you even clap after a song. I mean, you're just like, you sing a song, and I was on the keyboard. You sing a song, and after the, it was so awkward. At the end of the song, everybody just sat there because they didn't know. Thank God it's not like that anymore. God's, wow, really moving. Anyways, it was very hard. I went back to work uh, as a dental hygienist. Um, We didn't have any income. We did have some financial support from CLC and a couple of other places but I had to go back to work y'all it was hard there were days that I was like what in the world are we doing when you're setting up church and you're taking it down every week we, we would set up it looks like this when you're finished basically almost but imagine if this was just a flat piece and you have to set it up stage instruments everything every weekend and week out It was so hard, but today, today, we've seen thousands and thousands of people say yes to Jesus and be baptized, and their life is changed forever. Was it worth it? Yes, it was worth all the pain, all the tears, all the bold moves that we had to make. It was worth it. It was worth it. What are you holding back from God tonight? What is he calling you towards? Where do you need to make room tonight? Maybe you're just so full up with stuff in your world that you don't really have room to serve. You don't have room to give him time every day to read His Word every day, I challenge you tonight to make room for Him. What is your jar? What is your expensive jar? What's that thing that you're holding on to that you need to break open tonight? And it'll cost a lot. It might bring some criticism, and it may make you make some hard decisions in your life. Let's pray tonight. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus. Mm. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you have chosen us. Thank you, Lord, that you are here right now, that your spirit is moving through the room right now. Lord, we thank you, God, that you have called us, that we are yours, that you have called us by name. And we are yours. When others have passed over us, you call us. We thank you so much. Lord, I pray that you would help us to make the bold moves that we need to make, the daily decisions that we need to make. Lord, maybe it's just attending church on a regular basis. I mean, it might be as simple as something like that. We're we're just going to determine in our hearts that this is what we're going to do tonight. It's a bold move. I might get made fun of. You know my whole household might not want to do it but I'm I'm doing it. I'm going to make a bold move. And I know Lord it will call, it will call for sacrifice. But God I realize tonight who you are. You are worth it. Lord I give my everything to you. I surrender everything to you. Lord let me give you my time, my talent, my past. Any friendships that I need to release, Lord, I give them to you tonight. Lord, and I thank you so much for all of the benefits that, that, and the reward that will come after that. Thank you for all of your many benefits. Thank you for the peace and the hope that we have in you. And right now, I just want to pray. A prayer for those of you who may be sitting in the building tonight and you're, you're like, Alicia, I hear you, but I, I am not even a follower of Jesus. And you need to make that first step saying, made, I'm making you the Lord and the Savior of my life. And you're going to say yes to him and you're going to surrender your heart to him. And I'm gonna tell you tonight, you don't have to have it all together to come to Jesus. Your life can be super messy. You just gotta to respond to him and give your life to him and I promise you, he will help you pick up the broken pieces of your life. He will help you do that. And you will be amazed looking back at what he has done. So if that is you tonight, and you want to say yes to Jesus, I just want to know who I'm praying for. We're going to say a prayer, but I want you to just kind of slip up your hand and say, that's me. And maybe, maybe it's just been a long time and you've not you used to follow Jesus, but you're not anymore. Come on, hands all across the building. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to pray right now. You can put your hands down. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me and wash me tonight, Lord, as I give my heart over to you. Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you rose again. And I believe that you saved me. You did that for me, Lord. And so I give you my heart tonight. And I want to start brand new tonight, Jesus. Thank you for filling me, Lord. Thank you for filling me. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, everybody said amen.